1: AC and DA are two providers in your office, and they're talking over lunch about new data showing that doing a rectal exam as a screening test is not beneficial. AC asks, what am I supposed to do, just tell patients they don't need one now? Won't they want it? DA responds, and what happens if they ultimately go on to get prostate cancer? Will I be liable for missing this diagnosis? Hello, this is Frank Domino, and welcome to Frankly Speaking on Family Medicine. Joining me today is Susan Feeney, assistant professor at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing, coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks, Frank. So we're talking about prostate cancer screening Mm -hmm. and, more importantly, about rectal exams.
2: there's been so much information lately and a lot of it is very confusing for not just our patients but for us as providers so why did we all learn to perform screening rectal exams in men?
1: Well um, certainly in my training in medical school we were taught that that was part of the physical exam and that one of the best ways to ascertain uh, both some stool material to test for blood as well as to check the the prostate was to do a rectal exam on, on men and gradually over time that became okay only do it on men over the age of fifty because that's when the risk of both prostate cancer and colon cancer went up but that was one of those assumptions we made and it was never tested back then but I'm curious in the world of nurse practitioner education what were you taught?
2: Well we're talking 20 years ago but we also were taught that it was part of the exam and we did rectal exam of both women and men and for the same reason in men we actually would we were, I was taught to start at 40 um, as basically baseline information to get a baseline uh, assessment of the prostate and also to do a, an assessment of the rectal vault and to look for fecal um, material and, and just look for um, you know occult blood um, and never really being told about what that information, how that might impact the, um, the, the patient.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we both had very similar experiences.
2: So what does the new d- data tell us?
1: Well, um, this was a very interesting study. This was a large meta-analysis. Uh, I think one of the goals in medicine right now is to see if there is uh, an evidence base for many of the things we do. And that was the goal of this, this study. They, they were able to find seven studies looking at 9,000 in men who went ahead and, and had both a digital rectal exam and a prostate biopsy. So we were, we were certain whether they had prostate cancer or not. And they found that the sensitivity of doing a rectal exam, a digital rectal exam, was 50%, meaning that, you know, at least half of the time we had um, some finding on a rectal exam, it probably, was insignificant, certainly with regards to cancer. The positive predictive value of a digital rectal exam is forty percent. That means if you have an abnormal rectal exam, forty percent of those people will actually have an abnormal prostate and maybe some disease, but that means sixty percent do not.
2: That's really amazing, but I don't find it surprising. Do you?
1: No, I don't. It's a very subjective test. we have varying degrees of sensitivity and especially in the primary care world now this this study was done um, with a focus on primary uh, care providers it was not necessarily a urologist that spends you know eighty percent of their day evaluating prostates and so i think the, the data showed that there's no benefit to doing this part of the exam as a screening test and so Um, I've been telling patients about this now for some time, and the vast majority of them respond with some degree of of happiness because they were kind of anticipating uh, getting a rectal exam and this is one less thing they they probably have to be stressed about.
2: So what do we tell our, our male patients as far as an ability to screen for prostate cancer?
1: So um, the US Preventive Services Task Force still gives prostate cancer screening a D recommendation which means they recommend against. In 2017 they opened up uh, a process to allow people to comment about whether they should change that D from do not to C offers selectively based upon your experience and, and your patient preference and I think after that process they still have not had any conclusion that made them make that move from D to C. So the current recommendations are to not screen for prostate cancer. That being said, I still offer patients um, the options and I let them know that um, screening and treating prostate cancer does not make you live longer. We have good 10-year data that shows it does not decrease mortality. Diagnosing and treating prostate cancer doesn't necessarily make you live longer. It does Lower the risk of things like metastatic disease, but it increases the risk by a great degree in adverse outcomes like incontinence and impotence. Um, and it can have an adverse effect insurance wise and so forth. So it, it, it's considered one of the diseases that are commonly overdiagnosed and overtreated. And I give patients the option if there's someone who's really anxious and wants to know everything about their health, sure, why don't we just obtain? A PSA level on your next blood test, but if they're okay with reporting to you any change in symptoms and then testing, outcomes are just as good, if not if not better. What do you tell your patients?
2: Um, I do the same thing. Um, it was easier back in the day when things were very black and white, and we just tested everyone. But then again, we'd get these results and wind up chasing down rabbit holes, literally. Sure. Um, but you know. Um, but the, um, now it means that we have to, we really need to engage our patients, talk to them about the data in, in language that they understand, and, and make them part of the process. And, and I have found, actually, that most men are quite happy um, that they don't have to have the exam, um, and that they know the, the signs that they would need to tell us or tell me about to be able to get the test.
1: Yeah, I think I find in my review of systems, I ask them about change in urinary frequency, dysuria, pain with urination, pain with defecation, any of those things. And I, and I reassure them that if they have prostate cancer and we find it and treat it, that, that the outcomes are better. Interestingly, there was parallel data showing that doing um, bimanual exams in women and rectovaginal examinations in women as screening tests, there was no data set that found that to be beneficial. Um, I haven't really found a a discussion there yet, um, but I do think as we're screening less for cervical cancer, we're going to be doing less bimanual exams, and I have not done a screening rectovaginal exam in probably 20 years. Yeah,
2: I I haven't either, and I find that the bimanual exam, though, especially for women, postmenopausal, um, they're starting to, okay, I, I understand I don't need a pap every year, but why don't I... I should have my uterus and ovaries and sometimes I will tell them it's really a very difficult exam to do but I offer it to them if they want to knowing that it's going to give me a very low yield in most cases if there's no, if they're asymptomatic. Yeah,
1: I do think what you said earlier was very important that we make patients this part of this discussion process and I do think it's important to document that discussion in your notes um, one of the big challenges people have about not doing rectal exams is the worry about liability. And so I, I, I say document that you've had this discussion offering the pros and cons and alternatives to screening and making sure that the patient is aware. Will that protect you from being named in a lawsuit down the road? Probably not. Will it protect you from being found negligent or guilty of malpractice? A- absolutely.
2: And I think that also making sure we do the thorough review of systems, documenting that, and following up on any abnormal symptoms, that that will be part of our defense as well. Sure. So when, would, when do we do rectal exams? When would that be an appropriate thing to do?
1: Sure. Well, I think that's still a really good question. I think we should do it when we have clinical symptoms that we have to evaluate. A patient comes in, a male coming in with in change in urinary ability or impotence or um, dysuria someone that you're concerned about might having a GI bleed or someone who states, you know, you're having pain with defecation, I think a rectal exam is probably still indicated. But there, it's a diagnostic procedure rather than a screening test.
2: Right. Well, I think this has been very helpful in a, in a topic that is very confusing for primary care providers and our patients. Yes, yeah,
1: and I'm sure, I hope that our, our patients find this to be as, as good news as, as we as providers do. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Practice pointer, have a good informed consent discussion with your men about the need for prostate cancer screening, and in particular, the lack of data that supports doing a digital rectal exam as part of that screening process. Join us next time when we discuss a novel approach on treating uncomplicated urinary tract infections. And visit us at primed.com to stay current on many primary care topics.
0: Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME-accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.